We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Dave Debo. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. This is Dave Debo. On today's program, we look at two different education programs. Coming up in just a little bit, Jay Moran heads to Niagara Falls. One of these other programs, though, closer to the Buffalo area, talks about these universal microaggressions. Let's say you're in a store, you're a person of color, and the sales associate won't leave your side. It turns out that that's just one example, obviously, but there are others. Dawn Askew runs the Strong African-American Families Program, and she says there are really a lot of things that black and brown people need to learn about in order to have self-confidence, in order to feel comfortable dealing with a range of situations involving their family. So one of the things in this course is also um, how do I address uh, school? How do I support my child in school? How do I support them in being successful? So one of those things is how do I have a conversation with a teacher where I may feel intimidated because this is an educated person and this is a person who's teaching my child. How do I go to school with a goal and a plan of what I want to address and how do I address that teacher in order to get the best outcome for my child that will ultimately impact how my child will grow up, how my child will receive an education and get a job and impact the overall family. Dawn is with the EPIC program. Every person influences children. More with her in just a little bit. But first, Jay Moran heads up north. We're here at the Community Missions on, uh, on Buffalo Avenue in the city of Niagara Falls to talk about the SNUG program in Niagara Falls, a recently started program with us uh, from Community Missions, Eric Fordner, the Vice President of Specialized Service and Services, rather, and Hassan Ford, who is the Program Manager for SNUG. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Yes. Uh, let's first get into this idea about what SNUG is. Let's talk about what that specifically is and how it works. Okay, so SNUG is spelled guns backwards. What we, what we want to do is bring hope to our community. Um, like today, snug. When it comes to snug, we want to we want people to understand that we are here uh, for a purpose, and and we are here to bring change. What we do is we reduce we work to reduce gun violence in our community by mediating conflict. We work with the highest individuals who are the highest risk of shooting or being shot shot themselves. Uh, what about um, in terms of the problem itself? Gun violence, we can make it a very general pro uh, problem. We could talk in Buffalo about gun violence. We could go to the Bronx. We could go to other cities around the, uh, the, the state in that regard. But what about here in Niagara Falls? How specific can we get into what the issue is, is really about locally here? Well, like, um, like any disease, uh, we look for a cure. Niagara Falls Snug will be a part of the cure. Um, by mediating conflict, we send credible messengers into our communities, you know, people who have credibility with other people in our communities uh, to, to mediate conflict, to talk with people, to find out how we can make, make it better um, when it comes to uh, 
uh, the violence that's in our community. Well, Eric, what about from a community missions standpoint? You know, if you guys have a lot on your plate, and this is my first time to your facility here, and I can see, and this is an active place for sure here, now going into this SNUG program and taking that on as well, what's, what's behind that? You know, I've, I've been around for about 15 years with community missions, and, and w when I started, I um, specifically started bringing uh, reentry services to to the area, and that was geared towards individuals. I like to call them returning citizens, returning to the city of Niagara Falls. Uh, that's another big state initiative. You know, reentry services, having things in place, and over you know the, the last decade, it's kind of grown our reentry services to, to various different programs, uh, to some specific housing programs, to uh, workforce development programs geared strictly towards um, returning citizens. Uh, when it was announced by the state that there was uh, monies available for SNUG in, in, in Niagara Falls, uh, recognizing that it is an issue, it, it is an issue in our city. Um, unfortunately, it's an issue in our city. and. Because Community Missions has the partnerships with providers, uh, has the credibility in the community. We've been around um, for so long that you know the community knows us. The community um, knows that if we're involved, that we're going to do everything we can uh, to to do what we say we're going to do for whatever program we're running. So to me, it was a no-brainer. It's something we had to address right. um, in our city. It was community missions. It was the perfect agency um, to do it. We had kind of the the outline in place, anyways, for a lot of the things that Snug does. That's right. So it, it just seemed like it was a, it was a perfect fit for us. Absolutely. If one person gets wounded by a gun, that's a bad thing. If somebody gets killed, that's worse. But are there or incidents of recent times here in Niagara Falls where the problem? hit a nerve maybe a little bit more. Uh, can we maybe talk, talk about examples of, of that that might, might you know, reach that? I think, I think you can't pinpoint it because I think every time somebody get hit um, by a bullet or every time somebody die from a bullet, it hits a nerve. So you can't, you can't pinpoint just one because everybody's lives matter, you know what I'm saying? So it doesn't, um, I can't um, tell you that. And then uh, and, and when it comes to the victim's privacy, you know, I don't want to, uh, disclose that as well. Sure. Um, but I can say that, you know, when it comes to the issues in our community, we're, we're definitely working on it. So. Okay. Uh, uh, that uh, Just to follow that, that along, though, just a, a little bit, is there a, a section of the community that's being more impacted than others when it comes to gun violence? Absolutely. We have, so uh, again, we have a high risk area that we work on daily. We canvass that area daily. We hand out flyers in the area daily. Uh, we, um, uh, befriend people in that area daily. We had this thing what we call a vetting system and what we do is we uh, befriend people for about a month and a half and then we bring them on as participants and as a participant it's a program that they will come into where they will learn different uh, job skills, maybe get a resume, uh, get back into school, you know, so it's like putting down the guns and picking up something else. You, when you put anything down you have to fill that void in but we want to fill that void with something good instead of something bad, you know. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, Eric. I mean, Niagara Falls is, is such a small community. Um, although it, it, it's uh, considered, I guess, a, a major city in this area, it's still a very small city. It's a small community. It's a community that's largely based up of, uh, you know, poverty. Um, and, and that's, you know, 
where we are centralizing our services, where we're focusing, targeting, it's right in that area of the most underserved individuals. Because that does lend a lot into gun violence and the right. gun violence that we're trying to target specifically. Right. And also when I say, when, you, when I talk about community, I'm not talking about the black and brown, I'm not talking about the white or the native or even the Hispanic. I'm talking about Niagara Falls as a whole. That is our community. So when we work on our community, I talk about that. Now, when you talk about neighborhoods, <laughs> that's something different, right? Sure, sure. But when it comes to our community, we want to try to bring the beauty back into our community. Back in, especially Niagara Falls. I mean, we're talking about a wonder of the world versus Niagara Falls, Canada to America. We want to bring that beauty back over here as well. So. Right. And then, then take me, then, Hassan, if you can, or, or Eric, about you use the word canvas. Canvas. You know, when we think of canvas, we, uh, uh, politicians going door to door and, and trying to, to drum That's up exactly votes. Exactly. Please, yeah. So, what we do, we have uh, our, our palm cards and we have also cards. We walk door to door, uh, we knock on some doors. Um, some people are reluctant to open their doors. Uh, we leave cards on, maybe on, on their, um, inside the door slot. We're working on door knockers at, at this time to just hang doors, door knockers on the, on the doorknobs. Uh, we talk, we stop at stores, we talk to business owners. Um, so we're walking, we're footing out there in the cold right now. As a matter of fact, I got to get our teams to hand warmers. But uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a job, man. So we're very passionate about what we do. And I'm so grateful to Eric because of his passion. Um, he, I, I guess, people uh, people attract who they are to them, right? So uh, I, he must, I must, attra um, he must have attracted me to him. And the team I attracted is like me as well. So we're all like similar like when it comes to that passion and want to push forward and want greatness to come out of things that are so, uh, that doesn't seem correct. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. One of the important things to note that fall in line with the canvassing is the team, our outreach team, the science is our team, uh, our outreach team who are so important in all this. They're made up of members of the community. In right. order to be a part of that team, you have to be from this community. That's right. You have to have a level of credibility in the community. How do you, uh, do you expand on that credibility? What mean? What does that mean? So, so if somebody, they need to be recognized in the community. They need to be recognized amongst the population we're targeting. So it could be individuals that we hire that have a history of, of gun violence, mm -hmm. that have a, somewhat of a criminal history, but they don't necessarily have to have that but right. they have to be recognized. So if they show up on, on the corner of 19th and whatever, and there's a group of young individuals there, that those young individuals recognize them as somebody that, that they can kind of jive with and, and understand. Because there's a difference between even myself walking up on a group of young kids compared to Hassan. Mm -hmm. He's got more street credibility than I do. Um, you know, I have a different kind of credibility in the community. Mm -hmm. but, so that's why it's so important to have a team that we call credible messengers. They're our outreach team, but they're credible messengers because they have a message to share and they have to have credibility to the people we serve. Right, and the majority of the, majority of the teams across the state do have a past, they, but their lives have been completely changed around. That's what makes them so credible in the streets today. Uh, they, re I remembered you. I remember you like five years ago, man. How you, your life was? Wow, look at you now, right? You was a thug. You was a straight gangster. <laughs> look at you now, man. How did you do that, right? And then, so that's the opportunity for me to start vetting that person and bringing them close to me. Let me talk to you for a second, come here. You know, so uh, we're talking with Hassan Ford and uh, Eric uh, Bordner uh, from uh, Community Missions. Eric's the uh, uh, Vice President of Specialized Services. Hassan is the program manager for their SNUG program here in Niagara Falls, a gun violence reduction program. I'm really interested in those reactions, uh, Hassan. Like you said, okay, there's a group of kids uh, on a corner, and uh, 
you want to make sure that you interact with them to a certain extent. Talk about how that experience is. We do all the time. Again, so uh, we're on the corners. As a matter of fact, we have a, a one corner that's constantly flooded every single evening. You know, uh, people are staring around. I'm sure there's different conversations that are happening, but we try to blend in too. Then they know who we are and it makes them uncomfortable. You know, I get it. You know, um, we're here. We're not the police. Don't, we are definitely not the police. Right. We don't, we, we're not, you know, we're a different entity from that. But when we walk into that, walk into those areas, uh, they know that we mean business. They know that we're here uh, to make change. So they, they listen, they, they want to know about us. They want to be a part of it. They, well, how can I be an outreach worker and so forth and so on, right? So it makes a difference us standing in those corners, man. It makes a major difference. It does, I, I think just to follow that then is, if you're there, by being there, eventually you get a certain level of acceptance. Absolutely. Well, we get, a, we get that level of acceptance regardless, but by them seeing the uniform that we're wearing, even more so, and what we're doing, even more so, absolutely. I think you made a good point by when you said eventually. Uh, it, this isn't something that happens on the first visit or the no. second visit. And one of the things that's important is to keep being there to keep coming back because that builds trust and that's what drives everything in this is trust, trust. if they yeah. can get trust from the participants they're more likely to pay attention to what they say right. a lot of the individuals we serve have heard over and over in their life that i, I can help you i'll help you and yes. then there's that helps not there yeah. not the next week and the one important thing that that we talk about all the time and we we live by as snug in niagara falls is your if you say you're going to be there you're going to be there and how are you going to be there is to be there every day so that that same individual sees you every day and says you know for the first five ten times oh my god they're back how annoying but then that the 11th time they might say wait a minute they yeah. do care they do really care about us and you know i want to know what 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 this is all about and i want to build a relationship with them because there's so much that snug can do to help our community and there's so much that we have planned to do that they can help the community, and it, it really goes back to eventually gaining the trust yeah. from the community. You just took me back a bit when you uh, talked about that, that consistency piece about uh, you saying you're gonna be there and you be there. Because I can remember being a, as a child waiting for my father to come home. Uh, and he's supposed to come home, but he never does come home. And the, the way I felt as a kid, that disappointment, you know what I'm saying, that uh, no one's really caring. And so I kind of fell away just now when you mentioned that just now. It took me back there, right? So I'm sure that's what they're feeling is also. So that's why we want to be consistent. That's why we want to continue to keep coming back, keep coming back. We, we do the same areas every single day. Really? Every day. Because that's that's, that's, this is our high-risk uh, area. So we're there every single day. Just to spread the word, man, and spread some love. So, yeah. You get to know uh, people on a first-name basis? Absolutely. Yeah? And Absolutely. they know you? Absolutely. I'm, well, for me, I'm called Unk. Uh, me and another guy, we're, they're called Carl Unk. Some okay. guy called me Big Broke, some, you know, I'm a big guy, but most of the guys call me Unk. Okay, all right, for sure. <laughs> um, what about, what, what do we understand about, and I, I, I keep saying kids, but I just have this image in my mind, right. you know, young folks who, um, who just, whatever reason, you know, things aren't going well at home, not going well at school, whatever, and they find their way into gun violence. What, what do we know about these kids? And again, you like before you said, you don't want to be talking about victims and, and things right, like that, right, but right. What, what, what are, are some of the experiences that you're hearing about? Well, I know um, per CDC, uh, the Controlled Disease uh, Center, the ages between 15 to 24, um, they are our, our high risk 
okay. kids, right? They make up 10% of the population, but they also make up 63% of the homicides mm. in America, right? So um, those are the areas that we're working on right now. Uh, we're setting up an assembly with Niagara Falls to hit 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. We're going to go in there and for an hour each, for each hour each class, and talk about who we are, what we do, and then our individual stories, because they're pretty powerful and impactful as well, of where we were and how we, where we're at today. So. Do you mind sharing uh, maybe one of those individual stories? If it's not yours, maybe one of well, your... Well, I, I wouldn't share theirs on disclosing. Oh, okay, you know. fair enough. But, but for me, yeah, I was an ex-drug addict for 20 years. I robbed Sears in Niagara Falls um, about uh, 15 years ago um, for trying to get drugs. Uh, Eric known me for coming through community, community missions for about 15, 20 years as well. Um, uh, being homeless, eating out of garbage cans, um, eating off the streets, sleeping in uh, vacant alleys, um, um, vacant buildings, going crazy in the streets from um, overdosing. And today, uh, well then, um, I've got, I went through Narcotics Anonymous and I got help, I prayed and asked God to deliver me. And today it's been, um, I have 10 years clean. Um, I'm actually a business owner today. You know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna plug myself right now. Um, I What's work, the business? Why don't you plug it? Let's plug. I mean, I own it, my wife and I own Enchanted Florist in Lewiston and Niagara Falls. Uh, I also own a gym um, called Body by Ford. And then, and then um, Eric saw fit to hire me as a program manager for this program here. So my life is way different. So that's why I'm so passionate about people telling me, oh, I mean, it's, it's going to be the same. It's, nothing's going to change. It will change. If you put the energy into that change, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But if you don't do nothing, if you don't change nothing, nothing's going to change. So you have to make that first step into making a change. Hassan, that, I mean, that's a, 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 um, it's a great story for sure. And it, can you reflect, I mean, you said going through Narcotics Anonymous yes. and, and uh, sounds like divine intervention as Absolutely. well. But, but what's the what was the difference between Hassan before that and who you are right now? Hassan before that, before this, this that Hassan had a lot of self-pity, uh, self-centered, selfish. I felt like the world owed me everything and they owed me nothing. Um, I was lazy. I wanted things the easy way. I just didn't care about life in general. Yeah. Um, we're with uh, Hassan Ford and also Eric uh, Bordner from uh, Community Missions. Eric's the Vice President of Specialized Services. Hassan uh, is the program manager for their SNUG program, the uh, anti-gun uh, violence program here in Niagara Falls. Relatively new, it was a program that was here, went away because this is a state-funded program. And th this is an interesting part of it. There is a level of accountability involved here if you don't get the results, you don't get the funding. Absolutely, there's, there's uh, certain metrics that uh, we have to, to follow, um, certain amount of participants that they need to provide services to. We have to do community events every month. We have to have a community event, we have to have a participant event uh, every month, and those are a little different from each other. Um, because we're so new, we're still building our, our participants. Uh, you know, really come February is where they will start pressing a little harder to start rounding up participants. And those participants are the individuals, like Hassan had said a little bit earlier, uh, individuals who have the highest propensity to gun violence or be a victim of gun violence. Mm -hmm. And like today, we are hosting our open house, and that's a, our large community event for the month. And and this uh, is a, a, a relatively new outreach center, is that right? Or? It's our brand new building um, yes. on Pine Avenue in Niagara Falls, which uh, basically intersects our target area right down the middle. Um, and so we're right in the center of the mix on where, uh, you know, there is the, the highest, highest amount risk, of yeah. and highest risk of gun violence. 
and we're, we're really just trying to show off our new building because that's going to be important down the road for participants and for the community uh, to know that we're there right in the heart of the things. Um, our new building will be able to be used by participants, yes. uh, by the community. So we want to say, hey, we're here, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to try to do it. Um, uh, so, yeah, so the, there's, there's a lot of things that this, the state really pays attention to this. This is a, a big push from, from New York State mm. for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, like you uh, had said that, you know, New York State, no matter name a big city, and there's likely a, a, an issue with gun violence mm. in, in that city. Uh, Niagara Falls is no different than the Bronx, um, maybe yes. in size and in amounts, certainly, that's but <laughs> right. that's about it. But if you consider our size and our amounts of, of gun Volume, violence, yeah. you know, it, it adds pretty close to the sure. same. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, there is metrics we have to follow. There is, you know, money that needs to be spent and it needs to be spent on the right things. And Absolutely. that's, and that's events with the community. That's taking participants to a football game, a hockey game, a concert, change, yeah. yeah, showing them that there is a, a life outside of, of yeah. the, the streets yeah. and, and playing with guns. Absolutely. And, and because a lot of our, our individuals that, that we plan to serve, they don't necessarily know that there's a difference. You know, Hassan's story and many other people's stories of going from a tragedy to triumph, not every individual has that, but they don't, and they don't know that. They don't know that they have worth outside of right. of what they're doing, whether they're in a gang that's or powerful. just running with with a crew of individuals. Yeah, that's powerful. Uh, um, they don't know that, and that's what we're here yeah. to do. And that's the driving force of <laughs> Snug is to let our community members know, specifically individuals with the propensity to be involved with guns in some way, that there is changes that can be made. Um, and, and we're here to help. We're here and we're gonna keep being here to help you. Ironically, um, again, he keeps, he keeps saying something that, 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 <laughs> that triggers things to me. Ironically, um, the building that we're in um, was a bakery that got robbed constantly. So we 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 happen to be a gun violence prevention program. We're in that building now. So. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> talking about going full circle, right? Right, uh, for sure. I, there's a narrative out there, um, and I'm just curious from guys who are now seeing this on the ground level that the problem has gotten worse in New York State. I guess that's been the narrative. Do you find that, or is it just? Kind of the same as it's always been, or is it getting better? What, 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 how do you rate, rate things right well, now? Well, um, so people, so, um, so I did a training, and it talked about people are saying that people are dying daily. There's shootings daily, and we're in the midst of it. There's there's no shooting daily. People are not dying daily. Maybe once every two weeks. Maybe. Okay. You know, once every three weeks. So, I mean, some people take things out of character. Some people ex uh, Absolutely. exaggerate. Absolutely, that's why I wanted to yeah, get no, this from you. Yeah, no, a lot of stuff is, is exaggerated, especially uh, when it comes to misinformation. So, people mis misinformed people misinformed people, right? If I get wrong information from you, I'm going to give it to someone else. Now, we're all misinformed, right? So, yeah, I, I think that's exaggerated. Okay, and just, I was curious also about this. So, when there is a shooting? Is that now all of a sudden a target for you? Absolutely, yeah. When there's a shooting, we wait about two days and then we um, set up our shooting um, response team. Um, that's made up with some uh, some clergy people in our community, uh, community members as well, and, and then the snug team, um, which which is all of us 
Uh, we on the Bullhorn, we're shouting out, stop shooting, we want to live. And they repeat what I say or repeat whoever's saying that. Uh, no more mothers crying, no more babies dying. They repeat the same thing back and forth. We're there for about 20 minutes, man, and it's powerful and it is strong and it definitely works. Do you feel, are you seeing kids come to you, come to your message? You're, you're sensing that, that, you know, this kid who you met two months ago on the street corner hanging out with his friends, all of a sudden maybe is... He's finding uncle a little bit more of a, an attractive person to talk to. So again, we're just starting out right now. Gotcha. Um, although we're in the schools right now, people are, are the kids are like, want to know who we are and what we do in the schools at this point. But as far as being on the street streets, not just not not gotcha. yet. But I'm sure in, in, in others, snugs in some other cities, I'm sure there's that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Okay. All you right. know, it's important to add to that. You know, when there is a a shooting one of the other important things is quick response and that's because our team the snug program can offer a lot of things not just to the the victim but the victim's family as Absolutely. well um you know there's a lot of things that you know our social worker and our team can help with um both financially um support you know emotional support and you know but the financial piece is a big thing um you know for an example funeral expenses is something mm. that, that we could possibly help with. Um, obviously, nothing's a guarantee in, in this world when it comes to, um, you know, money and availability of money, but there's, it's always something that we can, we can help with. Um, relocation, Asan had talked about. Um, the other important part of quick response is the mediation piece, to be the eyes and ears. If there's a shooting, um, our team should be responding to that shooting immediately to right. the scene to the hospital because they want to be there to support the families the friends but they also want to be listening for is there a, a thought of retaliation Absolutely. and how do we how do we mediate that and we're trained they're trained in mediation techniques on on how to mediate that and and talking to the other side that might may or may not be involved but associates or family might think they were involved saying hey this can't get out of hand. We can't let this get out of hand. You know, let's let's figure out what the root of the problem is and, and address it. Absolutely. So there, there's there's so many important pieces for Snug, from the time a shooting happens to well after. Our team attended a funeral of a recent homicide victim, mm -hmm. and uh, the family was so gracious to know that they were there to support them. Uh, you know, one of the individuals on the team uh, knew the family. Uh, but most of the individuals didn't really know them. But for the family to see that, holy, holy cow, there's, you know, this snug. They were there. They're, you know, there to show their support. Absolutely. Um, and that's and that's a big piece of that is support for the families, for the victims, and, while trying to do our part to to um, stop any, uh, you know, further violence associated with that. Yeah. So that's that hope piece again that we want to bring to the community. Because uh, a lot of times people feel hopeless. Uh, so when they see our, our logo or see us in the community, there's hope. So, yeah. Uh, you talked about the Outreach Center on Pine Avenue. It's a former bakery where they were just being held up uh, with a certain amount of frequency. Uh, how about just a little bit about this facility right here on Buffalo Avenue, uh, Eric, if you could? Um, driving down the road here, now coming inside and, and seeing it for myself. This is a real interesting use of a, of a, a space that had been here for a while. Yeah, uh, it used to be uh, two different motels owned by brothers. 
I'm not sure the exact year, but that, uh, you know, when we bought, we had bought the one side of the building and then a year or so after, a few years after bought um, the other, the other motel and then connected them down the middle with a walkway. We are Niagara County's uh, largest homeless shelter. We have 40 beds, 40 to 45 beds. Uh, We also serve as Code Blue. Um, in the winter months for individuals. We are also the, uh, one of the largest uh, community kitchens um, and certainly the largest food pantry um, in, in the city of Niagara Falls and Niagara County. Uh, we have, uh, community missions is a lot. Uh, I think we were, we were talking the other day, we're up to like 22, 23 different programs um, that community missions operates from, from homeless to ex-offender based to snug to residential programs for the mental health population, uh, youth programs. Uh, We have a a, a home for youth in um, Lockport. Uh, We just recently opened a transitional housing here in Niagara Falls that is targets youth. So we just have an abundance of programs Mm -hmm. um, for individuals and this building, you know, like you said, driving by it, it looks like it still looks like the motels sure, from sure. the past. Right. Um, the Ivanhoe and the, the Ivanhoe Wa- and the Hiawatha. Hiawatha. Right, yeah, right, yep. Right. Um, but there's a lot here, and there's a lot of of love for the community and support for the community yes, in this building. Yes, yes, and then uh, the final question, then I'd like to use this in a lot of our interviews, and I'll throw this one at Hassan. What does uh, Niagara Falls need? What does it need? Niagara Falls. To me, Niagara Falls need more love. We need more connection with each other. That's what we need. Eric Bordner and uh, Hassan Ford, thanks very much for joining us on Buffalo What's Next. Thank Thank you you. again for having us. Yes, thank you. Our region is home to some of the finest communities in the world. Explore them through the Our Town series produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel today. WNED Classical has been conducting interviews of their own on YouTube with the classical music community. Have you ever wondered what goes into the performances you hear on WNED Classical? Head on over to our Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube page to see the collection of interviews that we've orchestrated. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. This is Buffalo What's Next where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And this is Dave Debo. We are talking today about EPIC, the program Every Person Influences Children. They have offices on Broadway. They run programs throughout the city. And one of those programs coming up is the Strong African American Families Program. We're going to talk a little bit about that with the program's director. The director of parenting is Dawn Askew. She's here with us today. Dawn, thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you. I want to get into what the program does, and I think as the uh, segment goes on here, we could even maybe talk about some of the materials and some of the things people will learn. But up front, I want to talk about that name, Strong African American Families. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in any way insulting, 
But does that title, Strong African American Families, suggest that all families might not be strong? Why is there a need for a program like this? The reason for the program is really to um, really increase racial pride and to kind of uh, hone in on the strengths of African-American families. So it's not saying that they aren't strong, but it's to put that at the forefront, that we are strong families and to increase that racial pride. Give me an example of how the lack of racial pride would play out in a particular family. What kind of problems does that engender? Um, well, there may be situations that they may face in the community, injustices that they may face where their racial pride may go to the background, fall to the background because of that situation. So maybe they experience an injustice in the store where they're being followed and maybe they're less assertive and they're they're kind of just passive. And so this program will teach them how to be assertive in a situation like that and how to have racial pride and not to allow someone to still express their racial pride, still be assertive, but still be polite at the same time. And take that example for me one step further. If this program is focusing on strong African-American families and you're discriminated against in a store, guard or someone's walking around saying, may I help you, miss? All of that, how does that then cascade down to the relationships in someone's family? So that just teach you how to bond as a family, how to stand together as a unit, how to communicate better with one another, how to instill those racial and cultural um, ideals and differences and how to be prideful in that and how to be okay with being different from others and how to be prideful in your culture. Is it safe? Is it safe to say that those kind of aggressions, microaggressions happen often enough that someone is just beat down and then that cascades again down into the family? Absolutely, and they often happen, and so often that sometimes people ignore them and sometimes uh, they normalize them. And so this program is to let people know that it's not normal and it's okay to um, address them, but address them in a way that's appropriate. Give me an example. Uh, let's use that one that you you cited about the store. Um, you're being followed in a store. Take me through the process. So you're being um, followed in a store. So um, an assertive way to address that will be to turn around and you know say hello. May I help you? Right. So a friendly tone, yet firm and assertive to let them know that, yes, I recognize your presence. I recognize that you're following me. May I help you? But it's not aggressive. It's not um, pushy. But letting them know, I see you here. I know you're following me. May I help you? And does the need to do that affect someone's psyche? Is it demoralizing? No, I don't believe it's demoralizing. I believe that it helps that person value themselves and being able to stand up for themselves. So that's just one example. Mm -hmm. But I think part of the reason for the program, if I read you correctly, is that these things piled upon one another, the, the, the aggressions that people face just by being a person of color, can influence the family. Take me to that next step. Certainly. So they can influence the family in many ways. Um, Of course, poverty being one of those things, right? So um, your color can impact, you know, where you live or your education level, or it can impact your access to health care. So it impacts many different things that attribute to your family dynamics. And so if you can begin addressing those things, so one of the things in this course is also how do I address 
uh, school? How do I support my child in school? How do I support them in being successful? So one of those things is how do I have a conversation with a teacher where I may feel intimidated because this is an educated person and this is a person who's teaching my child. How do I go to school with a goal and a plan of what I want to address and how do I address that teacher in order to get the best outcome for my child that will ultimately impact how my child will grow up, how my child will receive an education and get a job and impact the overall family. And again, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but the premise is that that teacher may be reacting differently to that particular parent if that parent is a person of color. Exactly. And they may be reacting different, and the assumption may be that because you're a person of color, you don't care about your child's education. And if you're showing up, that may change that per perception that because you're a person of color that you don't care about your child's education if you're able to come and come there with a plan and a goal in mind and able to speak to that goal and advocate for your child it may be able to enhance that relationship between the parent and the school and ultimately change that outcome for that child and forgive me for being ignorant but this happens all the time this is a common occurrence that I might not be aware of because I'm not a person of color? Absolutely. How often? About a year ago, we did a survey of about 100 community leaders and asked them how often they had been discriminated against or how recently. And most of the answers came back easily within one week. Many said it's happened every other day or so. Do you mind if I ask you a personal story? How often have you encountered the kind of discrimination that you're including in these classes? Oh, absolutely. Easily, weekly, maybe other every other day. It happens all the time. I mean, I've walked into the store and I've been followed or I walked in the store with a white person and they were spoken to and I wasn't spoken to or I was followed or, you know, even in, you know, a workplace where I didn't get the same treatment or I didn't get the same promotion or so there's so many different instances of that. So many different microaggressions that occur. And it happens on a frequent basis. Beyond the schooling example, tell me a little bit more about how it affects the family. I think we can look at individual examples, certainly the store, mm -hmm. certainly the teacher. Um, but I want to broaden it a little bit mm -hmm. and look at the overall impact on a family if you're facing that, as you say, every couple of days at the very least. Well, I think it impacts uh, mental health. I think, um, so of course that increases the number, right, of um, people suffering from mental health. Uh, it impacts the how well you're doing in school, right? If you have something like that on your psyche and you know, you're steadily being told you're not good enough or you're um, less than because simply because of the color of your skin. So I think it impacts the outcomes, not to say that you can't be successful because of the color of your skin or because how you're treated, but I definitely think that impacts your ultimate outcome and the um, ability to be successful. Is it a matter of giving people in these classes specific techniques to deal with, A, that microaggression in the store, or is it something broader, just be confident in yourself? I think it's a combination of giving some techniques, some uh, techniques, as well as um, encouraging racial pride and standing in who you are, um, and also um, giving the families more tools to work with each other and communicate with each other and have more openness and communication among each other. Because a lot of times um, within families, they don't talk about these things. They kind of just push them to the side and not deal with them. 
and that's their way of coping is to not deal, and sometimes that's not the best way. So that brings in the whole mental health aspect, and we've discussed that on this program with, with other people. The more you bottle stuff, the worse it becomes. Exactly. I'm uh, going to tell a story on you. We're doing this interview in your office, and on the wall behind you, you have a, a little uh, poster mm -hmm. that says, you are fabulous, you are powerful, you are capable, you are talented, you are special, you are important, you are valued, you are intelligent, you are empowered, you are respected, you are deserving, you are brave, you are loved. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of affirmation the kind of thing you teach here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we also have a creed that we do um, for each um, uh, session for strong African-American families. So each uh, session has a child and a caregiver session and then a family session. And each one of those, we do a creed. And it's important that they say we are strong African-American uh, and, you know, we believe in this. And we want them to keep saying that so they believe it in their mind. We are strong African-Americans. So we need that affirmation. What's the reception? Do people find it hard to give themselves that sort of affirmation? I think so. I think so. How do you get over that? How do you tell them, hey, it's okay to believe in yourself? Um, I think it, it comes by building confidence, and I think it comes um, by programs like this. I think it goes by way of community, right? Having programs like this, I think it's uh, building together and coming out together. And as the community becomes stronger, I think it's day by day, brick by brick. Oh. <laughs> And, and this coming up is the second round of these classes. You've already done one so far. Yes, we had two series um, that ran last year, and this will be the third series. Give me some of the, uh, the information about registration and where the classes are held, how much of a time commitment it is, the overview. If someone says, wow, this is something I need to sign up for, tell them the rest of what they need to know. Yes, so um, the program, as I said, so it's a two-hour series, but two and a half because we do provide dinner because it is, uh, so it's from 5 to 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday starting January 25th through March 22nd, and it will be held here at our Epic offices at 1021 Broadway Avenue, Suite 4. And as I said, we'll provide dinner starting at 5 p.m. And then the program will start promptly at 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. The first hour will be um, the youth and the caregivers will be separate. And they will have topics that they will discuss separately. And then the second hour will bring them together to discuss um, topics together and build as a family and do activities that will really increase their um, knowledge of whatever was discussed during that time. As you've described it thus far, I was envisioning pretty much parents, but you do a program with youth as well. How is that different? What do you tell them that might be different than the parent or vice versa? So the youth topics, some of the topics for the youth will be like setting goals for the future. Who are they? Um, dealing with temptations of early sex. Um Staying uh, away from like drug use. Um, handling peer pressure. Uh, dealing with unfair situations, what are good friends. And then, for instance, for caregiver topics, supporting your youth, making and enforcing rules, just everyday parenting, how to support your children in succeeding in school, protecting against dangerous behaviors, encouraging racial pride, and then staying connected with your youth, which is a lot of times hard for parents to do, especially as they age and hit those uh, preteen and teen years. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I joke that uh, I loved my children when they were toddlers, but when they became teens, it, it was a different ball game. Right, exactly. And so that's what this program is really meant to do, is to um, build that communication and help strengthen those bonds and communication between families. In our last um, series, we really saw a lot of the communication and bonds um, strengthen, and we also saw a lot of friendships develop through those series, both on the youth side and the caregiver side. I notice uh, a commonality in the list of topics for caregivers. Mm -hmm. There's protecting against dangerous behaviors. Mm -hmm. And on the youth side of the equation, there's also dealing with temptations for early sex. Mm -hmm. Both of those are basically in there to avoid risk. Exactly. Avoid risky behaviors. So while we're talking to, to the children about that, we're talking to the adults about that. And then in the family section, we're going to come together and we're going to talk about it together. And we're going to do activities to help the parent and the children um, understand um, it as a family and also bring rules into the home. So there will be activities to kind of help the family with bridging that. I don't mean to in any way stereotype, mm -hmm. but I see again that the title of the program is Strong African American Families. Mm -hmm. In either case, with the kids and early sex or with the adults and just risky behaviors, mm -hmm. are there certain behaviors that an African-American family is more likely to struggle with? I don't think it's more likely, but it's definitely common, and it's something that we want um, African-American children to have access to, and we want them to have the tools to deal with this because it's something that all preteens and teens go through. But on the prevention side, they're less likely to receive the prevention. How young are we talking about here? And the second part of my question is, at that age, how do you address sex? So this um, particular program is for ages 10 to 14. So, you know, of course, kids can be younger than that. But for this particular program, it is for ages 10 to 14. And in terms of um, sex, there are videos that go along with this program. It is an evidence-based program that uh, was developed by the University of Georgia. And there are some videos that help coach along that talk and discussion um, with sex. Dawn Askew is with us. She's the director of parenting for EPIC. Every person influences children. They are uh, putting forth a strong African-American families class. At the end of the program, grab a paper and pencil. We will give out information again about registration for the program. And in the meantime, we'll continue talking a little bit about some of the things that this program does. Check out the Our Town series produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. Ellicottville is a town of variety, not only in what they have to offer, but the people. The Burlington community is uh, becoming increasingly multicultural, and the library is reflecting that. The parks and playgrounds have been what makes the town of Tonawanda a great place to grow up. The series began in 2003, but it's making its debut on YouTube now. Although some of the businesses and people may have changed over the years, the spirit of these wonderful towns remain the same. We just didn't realize what we had in our own backyard. We need the next generation to protect it and carry on. Learn about Jamestown, Burlington, Welland, East Aurora, and more than a dozen other beautiful communities in our region by watching the Our Town series now on YouTube. I, w I would live there. <laughs> this is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. 
Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Uh, We've touched on the caregivers to some degree. We've touched on the youth after you've each talked to them individually in groups of kids and, and adults, you bring them back together. Yeah. And so once we bring them back together, um, the family topics would be uh, the family support for youth goals, uh, sharing youth and family values, supporting youth development and concerns, understanding each other, which is really important, caregiver and young people working together, encouraging racial pride, and expressing expressing appreciation. So in the family topics, we often do a lot of activities together. So we make um, like a family shield together where it has different um, portions of the shield where they take magazine clippings and they do like a health section. They'll do a family section. They'll do like a career section of what they would want it to look like for them. So sort of like a vision board almost. So different little activities. Um, the parents might write a letter to their uh, child of this is what I think of you. This is what I expect of you. So there's different little activities that help tie in these topics Um and different activities to say, they may ask questions of you of when you were younger, did you experience this? Uh And it helps create that conversation of, oh, my mom did go through this or my dad did go through this. Oh, we're not that much different. So it kind of helps open up that door of communication and your child, you and your child understanding each other a little bit better and creating a little more openness and being the askable parent so that they want to come to you when things are going on. I've never heard that phrase, but I like it, an askable parent. And we'll talk, and it talks about that a lot in this curriculum, being an askable parent but not being a friend to your child is a big difference of them being comfortable with coming to you and discussing uh, things with you and being askable but not being so lenient that you're a friend and they walk over you. To what degree is uh, the racial pride component? A part of all of this instruction? I would say the racial pride is implemented throughout because like I said we do a creed every single um, session but the last I would say the last three sessions uh, is when we really begin to get into the racial uh, part of it but the creed is definitely every single session we do the racial creed. And the syllabus also includes I see at least for the portion that's teaching the kids uh, the idea of staying true to my values. That to me is tough because I picture maybe a parent that has a set of values. How do you define values as you're teaching them to the kid? Well, so again, the curriculum has like a different list of values and it kind of helps walk the child through those values and kind of help them define, oh, this is a value I have. So it kind of helps them to hone in on what values they really have. And then the family section, they're coming back together with their caregiver and they're going through those values together and there's like a tree they make of these are our values, and they're, they're putting the values on their tree together. So they do it together. You, you have a lot of materials in front of us that, uh, <laughs> that they end up using in the class. Let's go through some of them because I think this is, this is really interesting. To my mind, they look a little bit like, yes, visioning boards. There's one in front of me that has uh, the words treasure map on it. Mm-hmm. Describe what I'm looking at. Yes, so the treasure map is created by the children. And so the treasure map has job and career, and again, they choose um, clippings out of a magazine. So it has what they will want their job and career to look like, their friends and family, as well as their hobbies, and then pictures that represent what they consider to be strong and proud. 
and that will be their treasure map. Describe what's on this particular one. What what did this person include? Mm -hmm. So on this particular one, this person included for friends and family a picture of Oprah and Gail, um, and then a picture of a black family with a mother and father and a daughter, and then for hobbies, a cruise ship, and then for job and career, um, a public speaker, Spike Lee, and um, two other people. Um, a film director, a professional dancer, um, HS, HBCU students, and uh, MC Light, and a future 10 black women in tech. And now how do you use this? After they assemble this board, what happens? After they assemble the board, they take it home and they keep it. And it reminds them of, you know, again, that pride of this is what I want my life to be so similar to um, a vision board. This is my treasure map of where I want to go. The other uh, piece we have in front of us here is a big tree. Mm -hmm. That one was the treasure map. This one looks like a, a family tree. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a poster board about, I don't know, um, two and a half feet tall. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's literally got a tree on it, roots down at the bottom. Mm -hmm leaves up at the top. Describe what I'm looking at here. Yes, so what you're looking at here is a tree and the tree um, of course have branches and a trunk to it and leaves on it. So the branches um, of it represents the parents and the youth and then the leaves off of those branches represents the strengths of each parent. So each branch would be one parent and then the other branch would be the youth. I see now. Uh, branch number one is the traits that parent number one has. Correct. Supportive, energetic, cheerful. Branch number two, second parent, honest, imaginative, caring. And then also things that the, the kids have put on there. Awesome, kind, pretty, intelligent, capable, hardworking, lovable. That's where you start, by having them put the leaves on the tree, the attributes so that they... They actually draw the tree. So they do this with their parent, the parent and caregivers, and the children draw the tree together and then they cut out the leaves. So that's up to them. And then they, um, we have a list of uh, strengths and they choose what words they put on the leaves. Okay, so you start out by knowing what your strengths are. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the trunk, there are some things that say in this particular one, we work together, we laugh together, we help each other. The values that then support the leaves, is that what I'm looking at? Yep. The values as a family, what they do as a family, what they do well together and take me down into the roots of the tree. The roots of the tree is um, the strengths of the like grandparents or the caregivers. So it's the ancestors and that brings in the whole pride thing again. Exactly, yep. And so on this particular one, they have community engagement, spiritual, resilient, loving, and a committed family, committed to family. Is this entire process, these classes, harder when you have a single parent? Talk a little bit about that. The classes aren't harder when you have a single parent. So like for instance, for this tree, uh, the tree branch would just look different. So they would draw two branches, one with one parent and then another branch for the youth. So we just customize it for however many parents are available. Um, if you had, let's say, a mom and a stepdad and then a dad and a stepmom, they will be welcome to join the class as well. And then you would just do this project as a family. As you're describing it, I see your face lights up. You enjoy this. I do. I do. It, it's a wonderful program. It's valuable. Um, again, I think 
people enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I took it as a um, class with my child as well. What is the genesis for it? There was a federal program here that basically gave Epic some money and said, you need family parenting programs? Um, we applied for a grant to do this program. We were looking for a grant specifically for African-American youth, and this was one of the programs that was evidence-based. We were looking for an evidence-based program, and this was a program available, so we applied for the grant. We got the grant to start it up, and so here we are. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about the idea of being evidence-based. There's research here. Right. That means it's research here. Um, that means that they've researched it. It's been proven to work. It's been proven to have um, good outcomes. And so we're able to have some research and data behind it. It's not just someone saying, oh, it's a good program and it worked, that there's someone nationally, a credible person that uh, did some research and data. I said that toward the end of the program, we would give information about how to register. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a good point. If you're listening right now and want that information, Grab a paper and pencil. We'll be getting to that in just a moment. But you have run these classes. This is the third round, you said, right? Correct. Talk to me about the first two. What change do you think it made? Are there specific examples you can point to where something happened because of these classes? And that makes you smile even more. You can say, wow, this this is really working well. Well, again, I think that people, um, youth and caregivers, develop relationships um, and extra support systems out of this. Um, there was referrals that came out of this of additional supports that others needed. And um, there was definitely some families that had some struggles um, among the caregiver and youth, and we saw a strength in, in communication and bond with those uh, people. So there was definitely a gain here. And again, I, I don't want to belabor. There's a reason why I took most of this program to talk about the curriculum mm -hmm. rather than say, oh, look, there's a problem. But as we wind up here, talk one more time about the scope of the problem, about about the need for these classes. The need is simply um, we want, um, you know, African-American youth to be prideful <laughs> and to um, be successful. And we want to help them avoid risky behavior and help their caregivers to support them and have uh, good communication. So we want strong African-American families, essentially, and we want to have programming available to our youth who are often underserved. All right. Now the, the final part, the registration information. Mm -hmm. How does someone get more information? Yes, yeah, so they can um, register by contacting Renee Perry at 716-332-4127. Let me repeat that again, 716-332-4127. Or what is your website? The website is epicforchildren.org. John, this has been fun. Thank you so very much for your time. And also, I would like to add that we do have a completion bonus. Um, so for any family that completes the series with us, we are given a $50 Target gift card for any family who completes. And then any um, youth who completes the series, we are going to do a $50 um, Roblox gift card raffle. And dinner to boot. <laughs> and yes, and dinner will be provided each uh, session. Dawn, thanks so much for your time. Dawn Askew is Director of Parenting at EPIC. Every person influences children. Their website is epicforchildren.org. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown. I'm Dave Debo. Thanks for listening.